seems hard to believe if uh, my figuring is correct that it's been six years since I've been at the congregation here at Plans Road. That would make Joey about five and Serena about three the last time we're here, but I believe that's right. So good to be here and it's so good to uh, see the family of God at this place. I received a, I was having a visit by phone with a sister the other day and told her about our plans to come here and uh, she asked me how the congregation was doing and I said well you know what I think the congregation here at Plans Road is one of the hottest places in the brotherhood. Uh, not that you're the biggest congregation but that uh, you're working, you're growing, you're growing spiritually and you're growing numerically and so it's exciting to be here. Sometimes I go to a meeting not knowing how it's all going to go but uh, I'm confident this week with your enthusiasm and your interest in spiritual things, your interest for the lost, that we're going to have a great meeting. I'm certainly going to do my best to do my part in presenting the Word of God to you clearly and forcefully in a way you can understand it. Our text this morning, we're going to take from Revelation chapter 22. We're going to read just one verse, and uh, that'll suffice for our introduction this morning. Revelation 22, verse 17. Later in our lesson, we'll be talking quite a bit from Ezekiel, the 37th chapter, one of the most fascinating chapters to me in all the Bible. Revelation 22, verse 17. And the spirit and the bride say, come, and let him who hears say, come, and let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. You've heard it said, you can't, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And as a good friend of mine used to say, but you can make him thirsty. And that's what we want to do this morning. We want to make you thirsty for the water of life. You know, there are a lot of areas in which uh, the idea of being all wet is used to express something negative, something that you want to avoid. Um, it's a derogatory or derisive term. Um, describing one who is completely mistaken. All wet is used in England to describe someone who's weak or unassertive or indecisive. In Texas, where I grew up, there were wet counties, and those were counties where alcohol was consumed freely and sold without any, uh, any um, hindrances at all. And then there were dry counties, and the dry counties were the places that you thought was the best place to live. But in the context of our lesson this morning, what we want to avoid is being dry. We want to go to the living water. We want the living water welling up within our hearts and in our lives. This morning, we want to ask the question. We want to explore the question. We want, I want you to explore the question. Are you dry? As you go through the... New Testament and learn more about God's will and you study about the illustrations, the imagery, the symbols, the analogies that you see in the scriptures, it, it appears as if in creation God already had in mind the uh, analogies that he would use and the comparisons that he would use because they, they fit so beautifully and they are so powerful and the one that we're noticing this morning is certainly no exception. I want to give a little background, a little bit more background than I usually do to the analogy, that the, the symbol that we're going to be looking at 
a very material symbol, but one that carries such spiritual weight and is used so in so many places in the Old and as well as the New Testament. We're going to be talking about this morning Ezekiel and dry bones from Ezekiel chapter 37. But I want to set this up by noticing how God through creation and the critical ongoing need of all living things for water sets up so beautifully the compelling picture there. It's amazing how many processes on earth require water. But we want to talk for just a couple of minutes about our need as human beings. Are you aware today that 75% of Americans, with all that we have, with all of our wealth, walk around dehydrated? And 37% of Americans, the thirst mechanism is so weak that it is often mistaken for hunger. Even mild dehydration will slow down one's metabolism as much as 3%. One glass of water will shut down midnight hunger pangs for almost 100% of the dieters studied in the University of Washington study yet we won't drink enough water. A lack of water is the number one trigger of daytime fatigue. Preliminary research indicates that eight to 10 glasses of water a day could significantly ease back and joint pain for up to 80% of those who suffer with those ailments. A mere 2% drop in body water can trigger fuzzy short-term memory, trouble with basic math, and difficulty focusing on the computer sp screen or the printed page. And we don't drink enough water. Drinking five glasses of water daily decreases the risk of colon cancer by 45%. It can slash the risk of breast cancer by 79%, and one is 50% less likely to develop bladder cancer if they'll do something as simple as drink five glasses of water. Funny about us, isn't it? Even though we're aware of the great physical need that we have for water, and we're aware of the physical benefits of water, many of us will stubbornly go through our lives, maybe our entire lives, refusing to increase our water consumption. We're not going to drink more water. We're not going to do it. Doesn't matter what it means or what the benefits might be. And you know what? As we're going to see, that's true spiritually too. We need, we know we need the living water to be what we need to be. But we avoid it. We don't get enough. Dehydration symptoms generally become noticeable after 2% of one's normal water volume has been lost. Initially, of course, one experiences thirst and discomfort. Then eventually, there is a loss of appetite and dry skin. Athletes may suffer a loss of performance of up to 50% with dehydration. They may experience flushing, low endurance, rapid heart rates, an elevated body temperature, and then a rapid onset of fatigue. Symptoms become increasingly severe with greater wa water loss. One's heart and respiratory rates begin to increase. The body temperature continues to rise because of decreased sweating. At around 5 to 6% water loss, one may become groggy or extremely sleepy, experience headaches, dizziness, nausea, seizures, fainting, sunken eyes, and may feel tingling in one's limbs. With 10 to 
fluid loss, muscles become spastic, shin, skin may shrivel and wrinkle, vision may dim, and then delirium sets in. Losses greater than 15% are usually fatal. Judge Lynch of the Massachusetts Supreme Judicial Court argued that death by dehydration was cruel and violent in his opinion in a 1986 case. This reminds me of Psalm 22, reminds me of the, what was a prophecy of the crucifixion, some of the things that Jesus experienced. You remember what he said on the cross at one point? I thirst. This is part of what made what Jesus went through so agonizing and so cruel. And it reminds me of Psalm 22, but listen to this. The process of death by dehydration, part of what happened to Jesus. The mouth dries out and becomes caked or coated with thick material. The lips become parched and cracked. The tongue swells and might crack. The eyes recede back into their orbits and the cheeks become hollow. The lining of the nose may crack and cause the nose to bleed. The skin will hang loose on the body and become dry and scaling. The bladder will burn. The stomach lining dries out and the sufferer will experience dry heaves and perhaps vomiting. The body temperature becomes very high. The brain cells dry out, causing convulsions. The respiratory tract will dry out and the thick secretions that would result could plug the lungs and cause death. At some point within five days to three weeks, the major organs, including the lungs, heart and brain would give out and the patient die. No one normally lives more than about five or six days without water. Rather lengthy um, discussion on water and our need for water and the effects of not having water. But I think it's important. Are you thirsty yet? Go with me to Ezekiel chapter 37. Keeping this in mind when it comes to physical dehydration. One of, the greatest, one of the greatest dangers about dehydration is that people are often unaware when they become dehydrated. And you've probably heard this said too, if you wait till you get thirsty to start drinking water, you're probably already dehydrated. Keep that in mind because that's what happens to us spiritually. Before we know it, we are spiritually dehydrated and we're in danger. And the devil has got, as it were, his hand around our throat and we're not aware of it. Ezekiel 37, read with me this very interesting, fascinating passage. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me out in the midst of the valley and it was full of bones. Imagine that. This, this massive ossuary, above ground graveyard, if you please. Can you imagine as a preacher, what is God doing with me, taking me to this place? Whether it's in vision or actual, uh, a real life place or some discussion over that. God's taking you there. Would have given me the creeps. What am, what am I here for? What are we doing, God? Read on verse 2. Then he caused me to pass by them all around. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. So he didn't just take the preacher, the prophet, 
to this valley of dry bones and said, look at it. But he has him walk all around these bones and has him notice that they're dry. And they're not just dry, they're very dry. Verse 3. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? I imagine Ezekiel would be like most of us. He doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't understand and maybe doesn't know exactly what the right answer is. So I answered, O oh Lord God, you know. Verse 4. Again he said to me, prophesy to these bones. So first he's, he's taken Ezekiel to this place and he's had him walk all around these bones. Yes, Lord, I see they're dry and they're very dry. But now he wants the preacher to preach to the dry bones. But like any man of faith, as strange of a request as this is, he's going to preach. He's going to preach exactly what God tells him to preach. He's going to preach the word. And say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you. Cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Quickly, one of the messages we get in this story is that God could bring the spiritually dead to life. Talking about, as we'll see shortly, these are God's people. But God's people can dry up and need to be brought back to life, and God can do that. The Sadducees, you remember, supposed to believe in God, supposed to believe in the Old Testament. They denied that God could bring the dead back to life, but it's quite clear here. Oh yes, God can do this. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied there was a noise, and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together bone to bone. I see here also the idea of Division and, and within the body, things being healed and a, a bringing together. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh come upon them and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. The bodies had flesh, they had muscle, but they weren't alive. Also, he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath came into them and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. This suggests to me what God can do with so little and with something that seems so weak and so powerless. It suggests to me potential and it suggests to me the potential within me and the potential within you. And the potential within us, all of us together, we can be like a great army. And God can do that through your weakness and through my weakness. He did it here with just a pile of dry bones. Verse 11, then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. That's right. It's God's people. These represent, <coughs> and this story represents the people of God. They weren't like they were supposed to be. They weren't living like they were supposed to be. God wasn't the center of their lives. Oh, they were God's people. They were the chosen people, but they weren't living like it. 
They were so caught up in the things around them, the world, that to God they were like dry bones. They indeed say, our bones are dry. Our hope is lost. And we ourselves are cut off. They were discouraged. They were downtrodden. They were depressed. No wonder. They'd strayed away from the Lord. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. Listen here, verse 14, certainly speaking about what's going to happen through Jesus in the New Testament. I will put my spirit in you and you shall live. I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. What a beautiful passage. Power. There's power in that. Inspirational, isn't it? This morning, brother, sister, are you dry? I'm asking myself. I need to ask myself. We need to ask ourselves about that from time to time. How are we doing spiritually? I'm not talking about some superficial check. We do that sometimes. We need to do a complete physical on our spiritual selves. Call it a spiritual if you will, but we need to do it. We need to take a deep look inside. We need to take a close look at where we're at and in which direction we're going. As one man put it, it's important where you are today, and it is, and it's great that you're here at the house of the Lord. It's important where you are, but it's more important. What's more important is the direction in which you are headed. Where are you going? Are you dry this morning? Again, one of the greatest dangers of dehydration is that people are often unaware that they are becoming dehydrated. And you could be dehydrated this morning, spiritually dying and not be aware of what is happening. Our adversary Satan wants to fill you up with the salt water of sin, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. He wants to suck the life spiritually right out of you. And some Christians today, and maybe some that are here today, are allowing the devil to do just that. The devil wants you to become so self-absorbed and all this world has to offer that you forget about what really matters and then you neglect who and what you should be focused on. This morning, there may be Christians in this room who are just like that pile of dry bones. And when God looks at you, he sees nothing but dry bones. Bones that are very dry. What are some of the symptoms if you have dry bones this morning? Does your life seem empty, hopeless, dry? Has your relationship with God dried up? Your relationship with your brothers and sisters? How is that this morning? That's a symptom. If you don't see your brothers and sisters during the week, if you don't talk to them, if you don't communicate with them, if you don't have a relationship with them, it's a symptom. Your bones are going dry, you're becoming dehydrated. If you're dry, it may be because you haven't been to the fountain lately. You may be suffering from dryness and spiritual stagnation. Your spiritual life may be as dry and lifeless as the Sahara Desert. 
You may be suffering from emptiness and spiritual dehydration. And what I'm asking you this morning is, when was the last time that you in your private life, in your prayer closet, so to speak, poured out your heart to God in prayer? Not just going through the rituals, not just saying that same recorded prayer that you've got memorized, but I mean pouring out your heart to God. Not just going through the motions, but your heart was totally centered on the beauty and the benefits of talking to God in prayer and of what he's done for you and for your family through Jesus Christ. If it's been a while, no wonder you feel dry. No wonder you feel empty. People of Israel, the house of Israel, knew that something was wrong. They just didn't know what to do to fix it. They'd become nothing more than just a pile of dry bones. They were just a bunch of spiritual skeletons, a big pile of skulls and crossbones. The devil had his mark on them and they never even knew what was going on. They got to the point where they weren't doing anything because they couldn't do anything. How is it with you today? Have you dried up evangelistically? Meeting starts today. There may be even somebody here who forgot there was even a meeting going on this week. That happens a couple times, maybe more in a congregation. This should be one of the highlights of our year. Because the church, this, this shining bright light, this lighthouse if you please, that keeps the light shining throughout the year is now focused on this week. For these eight days, we are going to shine the light brighter. And in a more concentrated fashion than we have done. And everybody needs to be a part of that. Are you going to be a part of that? What have you been thinking about the last week or the last few weeks? I know some of you because I've heard from you. This is the highlight of the month. One of the highlights of this season is getting ready for this meeting. Going to talk to people. Been talking to people about the meeting. Going to invite people. Going to bring people to the meeting. Those people back then. They couldn't influence people. They couldn't even influence their own children because they were just a big pile of calcified clubs exposed for all to see. And if it's been a while since you poured out your heart in prayer, and if you're not praying without ceasing and you, you were dry, you were dehydrated, whether you know it or not, you need to go to the rock. You need some living water. How do you know if you're dry? How do you know if you're spiritually dehydrated? Check what you're doing when you're not working and when you're not sleeping. If you're working over those 50 or 60 hours a week, you're probably working too much. Where's the Lord fit in to your time? What are you doing during your, what we call sometimes free time? So many Christians are just wandering and stumbling about in a desert of selfishness and slothfulness. Why aren't we growing in some congregation? You've been growing here, but you could probably grow more if more people were on fire like they should be. In many congregations, there are members of the Lord's church who wouldn't attend a regular weekly Bible study if the Apostle Paul was there to conduct it. That's dry. That's dry, brother. That's dry, sister. And in most congregations, there are Christians so busy going about with other things in life 
so busy gorging themselves spiritually speaking on the carbonated, caffeinated, corn syrupy colas of this world that they can't make time for any more than just a sip or two of living water on Sunday morning. Brother, sister, if that's you, you're dry. You need to do something about that. You're dehydrating yourself spiritually. When you look in the mirror this morning, you probably look the same way you did last week, last year, but there may be a different you today than there was last year or a few years ago. You're changing. On the outside, you may look the same, but your soul is shrinking. It's shriveling up because you've not had the living water. You're not getting to the living water like you need to. You need to go to the well. You better get back to the well soon before it's too late. While he can make your dry bones live. How many people here today have been saying, you know what? I really need to start reading the Bible every day. How many times has that happened during a meeting? Or maybe a, sister, maybe a, a brother has shared with you from the pulpit or in private, you know, we need to start reading the Bible daily. And you say, yeah, you know, that's right. And you start up and you go for a week or two or maybe three weeks, then you go back to the same old self. We need to stick with it. There's some things that you knew, you know you need to be doing. You need to get at it. You need to stay with it. You need to stay. Keep feeding yourself. Filling yourself with the water of life. There's somebody here maybe today who's been saying, you know, one of these days, I need to obey the gospel. I need to get my sins washed away. I need to get in the water. But you've been putting it off. You need to take care of that. You need to take care of that today. There's probably somebody here that in some other way, there's some things going on in your life that are wrong that you need to fix and you know you need to fix them. You just say, well, I'm going to take care of that one of these days. You need to turn that one of these days into today. You need to come to the fountain. You need to come for the living water. You need to stop playing games with God and get to the fountain. Let's go back to our text, verse 2. Back to Ezekiel 37, verse 2. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley. And indeed, they were very dry. I get the idea here that when we're dry, that we disgust God. We disappoint God. We upset God. We disappoint Jesus. Verse 3. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. The preacher's optimistic. If God says these bones are going to live, he believes it. But from where he look, he's looking, these bones are awful dry. You know, God. You tell me. It's our job as leaders and teachers, spiritual leaders as in our homes, fathers to be optimistic and to be positive. And stretch forward and reach forward. Ephesians 3 verse 21 says that you are able to do exceedingly. God is able to do in you exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Are you weak today? God wants you strong. Ephesians 6 verse 12. He doesn't want you just to be a Christian. He wants you to be a strong Christian. And he can make you a strong Christian if you let him. Why are you so dry today if you're dry? You have a dead marriage. 
Is your marriage dying? God doesn't want it that way. You know, the world is overrun with divorce, adultery, divorce, remarriage, and divorce, and remarriage, and divorce, and remarriage. That's not God's way. But sometimes in our homes, we think we're okay as long as we're still married. But our relationship is dying or dead. That's not God's way either. That's not the way God ever intended for it to be. And if that's the way it is in your marriage, your bones are dry. You need to go to the well. What about your relationships within the body? Some people, some people say, well, I just don't feel like I'm apart. I feel like I've kind of been pushed out to the edge. I don't feel like I'm a member of the body. And sometimes when I watch and when I listen to the way people behave and interact with their brothers and sisters, I'm not surprised the way they feel that way. Need to go to the well. Matthew 7, verse 12. The golden rule. Do you treat your brother the way you want to be treated? Do you talk to them, your sister, the way you want them to talk to you? Sometimes we don't. No wonder our relationships are dying. If you don't want others to be hypercritical of you, if you don't want others to be backbiting about you or on you, don't do that to them. How are you treating other people? Do you just use people or do you really care? Do you invest your lives in other people? Do you support them? Do you help them? If not, you're dry. That's not what Jesus wants out of you. God looks down and he sees dry bones and he's disappointed and he's disgusted. Go to the well. Are you coddling sin this morning? Is there some begetting sin that like a blood-sucking leech is sucking the life right out of you? That can kill a marriage. It can kill any relationship with your brother or sister. You need to repent if that's you this morning. You need to repent of your dry bone ways and come to the fountain. Know this, it's disobedience that creates distance. You feel like you're distant from God? You feel like he's not really with you? It's disobedience somewhere in your life. Distance creates dryness and drifting and backsliding. If you're dry this morning, it may very well be because there's too much distance between you and God. You've got to get the sin out. You've got to get the sin out of your life and let Jesus come in. And those dead bones will rise. We all have dry moments. But if you're living in the valley of dry bones, if you've lost the joy of your salvation, if dryness is the rule and rejoicing is the exception, it's probably because there's sin somewhere in your life. Maybe there's a relationship that you know you need to do something to fix and you've not done it. You've been stubborn. You've been proud. I like the way... Uh, Tony Evans elaborated on this idea. He says, Pluto is the ninth planet from the sun. And it's cold on Pluto. It's so cold because it's so far from the sun, S-U-N. Distance makes us cold. Mercury is so hot because it's so close to the sun. Our distance to the sun affects our temperature. And that's true 
also spiritually. The closer you are to the sun, S-O-N, the warmer you become. How warm are you? How warm are you toward the members of the family of God? That's an indication of how close you are to the sun. The question we're asking this morning is, do you have the living water? Do you have Jesus and are you filling yourself up with Jesus Christ, his word, his will, and his ways? If not, brother or sister, you are spiritually, spiritually dehydrated. You're dry. You're dry bones. And that's not where God wants you to be. But you don't have to be that way. You don't have to die. You can come to Jesus Christ. There's a happy ending to the story. No matter how dry you are, no matter how dehydrated you are, no matter how deep you are in the valley of dry bones or how long you've been there, God can bring you back. God can put flesh on you, spiritually speaking. He can put the breath back in you. He can set you on higher ground and you can go back to the fountain if you'll just decide that you will. Listen to John 4, verse 14. Jesus speaking, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give in him will become a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. God wants for you to have the abundant life, the good life. And if that's not the way your life is, if you're dry, it's because you need to go to the fountain. You need to go to the well. Something else, you're talking about Dryness, dehydration. There are people today, pulpits in this city, on televisions and on radio stations, who are dehydrating the plan of salvation. Taking the water right out of the plan of salvation. You know what that's like? You know how effective that is in taking care of sin? I'll tell you how effective that is. That's like you going home today and you're putting in a load of laundry into your washing machine and you unhooking the water, what's going to happen? You're not going to get those stains out. And when you take water out of the plan of salvation, you can be sure you're not going to get the stains of sin out of your life. That's what's going on in the world today. That won't work. You've got to put the water in. Jesus said in John 3, verse 5, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. There's water in the plant. Can any man forbid water? See, here is water. What does hinder me to be baptized? There's water in the plant of salvation. So if you have partaken partaken of one of these plans of salvation that has taken the water out that's no good the stain of sin is still there you need to go to the fountain you need to go to the water you need to have your sins washed away in the watery grave of baptism even the apostle paul had to go that route in acts chapter 22 verse 16 he was told and now why tarriest thou Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. If you're dry this morning, maybe because you're still not a Christian. 
You tried to get saved at some point in your life, but somebody took the water out. Put the water in. Then you get in the water and wash those sins away. God will put the flesh on those bones, put the breath into your life, and you can be alive, and you can serve God, and you can please God, and you can stay at the fountain. There's someone here this morning who strayed away from God, who's left the fold. Won't you come back? Get the sin out of your life. If you've never become a Christian, if you've tried some kind of substitute or shortcut plan of salvation, come to the water. The water, the spirit, and the blood. The Bible says in 1 John 5, verse 6 through 8, the water, spirit, and the blood. These are the three witnesses. They'll bear testimony to your salvation. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. Our service times are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 730 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.